0: Broadcasting live from our satellite studios in Dallas, Texas, it's time for the special on-the-road edition of Learning Insights, featuring learning professionals who are improving performance and driving business results.
1: And we are back with another exciting and informative edition of Learning Insights. Stone Peyton Lee Cantor here with you. And in this segment, we are going to get a chance to visit with some folks from the College of Business Professional Leadership Program we have with us. Miss Rachel Cleveland and Mr. Billy Johnson welcome to the show
0: thank, you so, thank much. you
1: so now you guys are with University of North
2: Texas and this program uh, the professional leadership program is that a unique program around the country.
0: Yeah, the Professional Leadership Program is actually unique to UNT. There's no other program like it in the United States that we've seen. Um, you'll get on colleges mentoring programs. You'll get um, like soft kind skill of pieces of it. Exactly. You'll get pieces, but you won't get the combination of the two. So PLP is quite unique in in its form.
2: Now, were you guys um, the ones who created the program, or you're the ones who administer it now? Rachel
1: made it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. from scratch. We'll give her all the credit.
3: She was <laughs> <laughs> just a baby. Uh, no, actually, the program was started 21 years ago. Uh-huh. by a dean at the time that had the vision of uh, teaching students soft skills. Uh, so it's in its 21st year. We get the benefit of being the stewards of that program at this point in time. Now, how has it changed over time? Well, it's evolved, I think, significantly. Uh, the, the story, I guess, is I've talked to people on campus about the PLP, our professional leadership programs. It started out very small within the College of Business, and it had a small number, basically, at that, that time, were all young men who the dean and several faculty decided that they need to polish them up a bit, get them exposed to uh, professional etiquette in terms of dining etiquette, the ways to properly engage. So they really use some local formats, Kiwanis Club meetings, uh, going to country clubs to teach them things on how to engage, handshake, eye contact, some basic things. And it evolved significantly to the point now where we have a set curriculum, Uh, At that time, each student did not have a mentor. Now every student has a mentor from their respective field of study, and it's also more diverse. With the 100 students we have, 60% are from the College of Business, 40% are non-business, and 30% of those students international.
2: So now these are students that are going through and maybe getting their degree in business administration, and then they take part? Are they chosen to be part of this program or do they just apply and they get to be part of the program? How yes. does that work?
0: So we have, um, our, our structure is, is we're for junior, seniors, and grad students. You do have to have a GPA of 3 to 5 to be um, able to interview. To be considered. To be considered, exactly. Um, so they apply, they interview, um, and then from that group we make the selections. Um, so this past year we had over 300 students apply. We interviewed 150 and took 100 of those,
2: is that a large class or is that typical? That's the
0: biggest we've had. And then we're interviewing actually this Saturday for our next class. Um, and we will be taking about 125 students all around. So,
2: And where do you guys get the mentors to match them up?
0: everywhere in DFW right now. Um, so right now they're still local. We're looking into what um, kind of the electronic learning looks like, having a mentor from a distance, that kind of thing. But the
2: mentor doesn't have to be part of the school? It could no. Be just anybody. Um,
0: they're all C-suite level, director level people here in the DFW area, all across different industries, profit, not-for-profit sectors. Um, we're very diverse in the mentors that we have.
2: Is it hard to find mentors or do you have more than you need?
3: Uh, we do not have more than we need because we continue to recruit. Uh-huh. Uh, you want to keep a very rich and, and broad pipeline. I served as a mentor prior to joining the staff in 2012. I had spent almost 10 years here local locally professional services firm, and so I had the opportunity of mentoring students from various backgrounds. So what we do... And so and you were doing it outside of the program? You were just doing that on your own? I was doing it as a corporate person, if mm-hmm. you will. Uh, we oh, recruit sure. from uh, both the corporate sector and not-for-profit. Mm-hmm. And so when we go out doing recruiting, I, I'm constantly kind of get the joke of constant recruiting. So we look at uh, people in terms of their background, their interests. We have a servant leadership model. So we're concerned and want someone who has an interest in investing in the students sustainably for a long period of time. So it, it, the challenge is really just uh, when you get a, a lead, for example, a very qualified, talented person, let's say in January, we will not deploy that person until the following year. So it's what we, what do we need to do to keep them engaged, keep them informed about the program. And then they start in September timeframe and go through the academic year.
2: Now, is there mentoring, uh, or the mentoring they're going to do, is it something that is structured or is this, they're just kind of winging it?
0: It's a good mix of both, actually. So we have a performance tool that we use with PLP that's been designed for our program, similar to um, somebody who would go through an HR process performance review every year. Mm -hmm. Um, So the students aren't exposed to that typically, and so we use this opportunity as Um, a way to expose them to it at an early age so that when they get to a corporate setting, it's something that they're used to. Right. Um, So we have uh, that tool that we use that um, we encourage the students to sit down with their mentors, set their goals. And that way, every time that they meet, they essentially have an agenda that they go through. You know, do you want an interview at X company? Okay, great. What does that mean? Well, I should probably practice my interviewing skills. I should probably work on my resume. Probably Google them. Exactly. Learn a few things (laughs) about them. So, They go through that process. But outside of that, um, we simply provide them resources and tools as a mentor to really help them figure out what's going to be the best fit. Um, We have 100 students, and so we have 100 mentors. Every relationship is completely different. So it's difficult for us to say you have to do this, this, and this if it's not the personality of both the student and the mentor. So it
2: has to be a good fit.
0: It does have to be a good fit. Um, And right now, Billy and I actually make those um, fits by hand so uh, we take oh, our wow. own exactly <laughs> we wow. take our own personal knowledge of the student and the mentor <laughs> and match them up usually it's industry driven mm. um but it's also personality so if a person interest. is in
2: a certain uh, they're getting a major in business you want to match them up with some business right. that's kind of aligned with what
0: they're
1: trying to accomplish exactly
0: right or with. even their career goals so maybe their major might be business but they're wanting to be an entrepreneur and so we, we match them up exactly
1: right So I see a great deal of emphasis on face-to-face, eye-to-eye, and in the same breath, I I have to believe technology surely has impacted this whole effort. Can you speak to that a little bit, maybe?
0: Sure. Um, So with students, I mean, you guys know in engaging with people, face-to-face is always kind of the first... the first draft, right? That's the first go-to. and that's Not not for
2: my kid. Not for your kid. Text everybody. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yes, that's so true.
0: Well, and that's part of how it's changed. Technology has changed. So now we, you know, from the face-to-face, now we have people that have Skype mentoring sessions or they have conference calls or Google Hangouts. Um, So it really expands the mentors we're able to have um, because if you're a consultant and you work Monday through Thursday in a different city, you're still able to work with that student and then have, you know, a one-on-one less frequently because you're supplementing that with engaging conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, Technology has been a huge piece of that. Um, this year we've piloted having a mentor who's actually based in New York. Um, he is the CEO of New York Life up there, and he wanted to give back to our program. He's an alumni of UNT. um, And so he wanted to engage with finance students. And we started kind of that pilot um, electronic mentoring, uh, e-mentoring is what it's called, um, if you want the technical name, Mm -hmm. but to give them an opportunity to reach somebody that they otherwise wouldn't find in their network here.
2: Now, did he go through the uh, leadership program when he was there?
0: He did, he not. did not. Yeah, he's a little Do you little have any alumni
2: older. that went through the
3: leadership program that have come back and become men- mentors? We do. We're starting to gain that population. I think we have, uh, I want to say close to a dozen yeah. at this point in time, and we'll continue to increase that. Uh, uh, the program, again, with its relationship touch... Uh, uh, over the period of time, there was a, a gap, I'd say, in maintaining relationship with those alumni. There's about 1,200, for example, that we're aware of, pretty clean database that we've got worked <laughs> out. And so we are starting to re-recruit them, get them involved, and it does make a big difference uh, because they uh, not only their UNT, but obviously uh, their uh, specific major field of study the student can relate to as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, from the mentoring program,
2: is there any best practices you learned on how to be a good mentor or how to be a good mentee?
0: A lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what but, are
2: some some of the things? Yeah, uh,
0: both sides. It's a listening component that always starts. You know, you you mm-hmm. learn about that a mm-hmm. lot, and that's one of the hard ones for both sides, right? So you have a student who thinks that they know everything, and you have a corporate person who knows that who they knows know everything. It, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you put them in the same room, and you're like, all right, well, one of you has to stop talking at some point, right? Um, so listening is always a huge huge component. Um, we've also seen a lot of people they have to learn how to actually communicate with each other so if it's a text message because that's the best way to respond versus a phone call or an email so you essentially have to kind of take a step back and say how do you want to be communicated with right Um, that's hard for people to realize oh what do you mean you don't answer Mm -hmm. emails I thought everybody right. did that, right? None of our students do that, is what we're finding <laughs> out. Um, and so it's been interesting to watch them really learn how to communicate again, um, and not just with each other, but just with different generations in mm-hmm. general. Um, Billy has some best practices. He was a mentor before, so he's got the wealth so of you knowledge. S-
1: you served as a mentor. I did,
3: yeah. I served as a mentor going back to 2006 time frame, and right. uh, we, we continue to do that in the jobs. And I think yeah. one of the best practices that, uh, you know, it comes down to trust and building relationships. So the communication critical and the other thing is being transparent uh, particularly as the mentor Uh, sometimes we'll joke internally about the adult supervision you know I need to be willing as Mm -hmm. the mentor and the professional wherever I am in life to take that first step to let that student know that I'm willing to you know uh, uh, sacrifice things in terms of time and schedule uh, to let them know for example we have mentors very successful was not the best undergraduate student so I need to share that because our students are on another continuum where they're very high, high-skilled and, and very talented. And on the other hand, I'll let them know I struggle You know, where I share that. However, here's what oh, the inflection point was me in terms of when I turned mm-hmm. uh, and got my path together. So those kind of things are very, very important because the experiential learning piece in terms of best practice, that's probably one of the single most important nuggets in this whole program.
2: So now when you're working with uh, the the students, are do you find that these students – they could be anybody, or is it certain type of a student that gravitates to this program? Like, would this work for maybe not these high-achieving students? Would they work for kind of the struggling student as mm-hmm. well?
0: yes and no. Uh, so the, <laughs> the the question is, they could definitely gain value from this program. The reason we have a GPA requirement is because um, being a part of the program is a time-consuming piece. We have class every Wednesday night from 4 to 6. You have to meet your mentor outside of that. We have networking events. Um, so if you're already struggling academically and then you're adding on a load of commitment to that, you know, at the end of the day, our goal is for them to graduate. And that's what we want. And that's what's best for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why we add the GPA in there is like, okay, you're already doing well with this, so the likelihood that you'll continue to do well when you add more to your plate is kind of already there. Um, but we, we've seen it with both sides. Um, major, there's no major that doesn't get impacted by this. Um, there's no industry that doesn't get impacted by this. I mean, it's universal. Um, actually, some of the most impactful students that we've seen come from this program are, you know, they're not from the United States. They're international students that have come in and learned um, hmm. how to network here and if they want to stay here great if they don't want to stay here we have mentors that help them go back home and look for jobs there um, and then the other piece is that for those non-business students I mean I can't tell you how exciting it is to watch an electrical engineering student go from the quietest person into the room to being the presenter at the end of the semester and confident talking about a job or an idea or a sales pitch you know it's that mentality of no matter what industry you go into what job you have what field you're going to be a part of you still have to work on a team you're still going to have a boss that you have to convince right. that your idea is better than everybody else's and then he needs to give you a million dollars to do it and so <laughs> they think that you know being an engineer that doesn't count for them and so they they just need technical skills but when you start getting them in the classroom setting it starts to open their brains open their minds up to the fact that oh there is so much more out there even just language wise that I need to know so that when I get into this field I know both sides of the spectrum right it's not just one I'm building something it's i'm building something with a purpose for a cause that impacts x and i can sell it to y
2: now it seems that this program um especially the mentoring angle and the giving everybody the opportunity to kind of see the world in this through someone else's eyes that's already successful is so powerful and it's positively impacting these people is there a way to trickle it down to
3: the more at-risk um student uh, I think there's a way. We haven't attacked that yet, uh, but I think what Rachel and I do and, and also some of our mentors, uh, there are opportunities that uh, come up occasionally within campus or we may create them where we'll have a conversation with students. who uh, There's always some students that we look at we screen every year who come up just shortly short, short uh, and we'll say to them, come by, spend some time, get in a, a one-on-one sessions with us. So there's those one-on-one outreach, but I think importantly, there's different opportunities that the campus provides that either one of us will go and speak to a student group Uh, They may not meet all the the standards and criteria and be available. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, again, uh, mentors are willing to do that. So absolutely, uh, one of the things I'm actually working on tomorrow is related to this challenge of male success on the campus is male students overall are less successful comparatively. That's what we call a cohort. Mm-hmm. And then within that, when you peel that back, specifically, for example, African-American students are less successful male students specifically. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a summit that I'm uh, going to uh, be working in tomorrow, to your point, just to talk to students about how to get on track sooner, mm-hmm. uh, find the right role models, find the mentors, the champions. You know, it takes a whole village, as it says, to be successful in this game as well. And so, yeah, that's a lot of things we do in that regards.
1: So I, I suspect... Uh, private companies are now starting to take notice and asking you guys if you'll help them out maybe come teach them some stuff <laughs> about your mentor I mean is that kind of thing starting to happen they want you to come speak to them or
0: yes uh, it's funny we uh, we have a, a wonderful graduate assistant who helps us and he keeps asking us when on your schedule do you have time for any of this uh, no we've actually um, been very fortunate to work with a bunch of different um, corporates both not for profit and for profit um, opportunities here to talk about our program um, to talk about if they have internal mentoring as part of their own corporate structure. Mm -hmm. Um, And many do, which is encouraging. They simply don't know how to grow it. They don't know how to make it better. And what ends up happening is they actually send those people who are wanting to be mentors to our program so that they learn how to be a mentor with a student. And then they can go back to companies and corporate and transfer that learning. learning. Exactly. Exactly.
1: So I have to ask, how did you? I I, want to know from both of you, but I want to start with you. Rachel, uh, how did you get into this line of work?
0: Oh, goodness. Okay. Do you want the good story? I or want it all. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I did have a master's in higher education and uh, worked in, um, financial recruiting for a little while after I finished that degree and saw this job posting. And as weird as it is and all that we teach our students about networking, I just applied online. <laughs> <laughs> <Of course. laughs> he called me. He called me two months later, and, of course, I had already accepted another position and said, thanks, but no thanks. And then I called my dad, and I was like, hey, remember that dream job I had talked about? And he's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, he called me today. And he's like, how'd that go? I said, I told him I had a job. And he goes, you did what? (laughs) So uh, the next day, I called Billy back, and I was like, you know how yesterday I told you I have a job? Yeah, about that. Forget what I said. Can we have a conversation? So two months later, three months later, I was hired on full-time. I've been with PLP for two and a half years now. Um, and is it still a dream job? It still is. <laughs> it's so funny. I um, You can ask any of my friends. They. I am one of those annoying people that literally loves every day of their job, mm-hmm. and I talk about it all the time. Um, but I have a huge passion for students and a huge passion for education and watching them grow and helping them develop. And this program just it does that on so many different levels that just a classroom can't can't. Um, and currently I'm, I'm a doctoral student now also. And so I'm working on my um, doctorate in education. Enough, I know I'm never done. Um, but now I'm learning kind of the, the mythology and the theory behind what that looks like so that I can even help them better, but also help our program advance and grow. Um, and, you know, this, the servant leadership mentality is just something that I've learned and lived with my life. And so it's exciting to input that into our kids we call them kids they're not kids um input that into them and let them take that to a corporate that may or may not be that way um so that they can start to change the culture of some of these companies Mm -hmm. and so that we really are creating a you know as cheesy as it sounds, a better world we're creating better leaders um and that's something that really gets us really excited so um yeah i told him no and then i told him just kidding and here i am two and a half years later because you
2: got mentored (laughs) by your dad
0: i did (laughs) he told me <laughs> what to do? Way to yeah. go, Dad. Right. <laughs> Listen to your parents. They know what they're talking about.
2: Sometimes. And sometimes, yeah.
0: yeah. Now, earlier in the
1: conversation, um, you said something about a pretty substantial time lag between a mentor coming on and then really being deployed. Can you speak to that a little bit more? And
3: I also want to know how you got started. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Let me go to that question first. So yeah. it, it will depend upon when we are introduced and, and make that connection. So there can be a lag as long as nine months. Wow. Uh, with the January, for example, person that we recruit and who right. commits. Uh, And that window will vary. And so, uh, again, because of recruiting, what you have to do, and we've learned that, uh, again, kind of become a best practice. We we used to do, when I was a mentor before and a board member, we'd get involved kind of a seasonal recruiting, sort of the spring, summer. Uh, The way the program's grown is just the challenges now. We have to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things we are challenged by, again, back to this time lag, is when you get someone who's really ready to go, is again back to how do you keep them interested and engaged, and, engaged right. and so there's a lot of means and we do call upon our advisory board to help us do that we send communications out we point them in different directions uh things like this opportunity we have to talk to you today that's something we can provide to them to say here's uh, some information that you can get some greater insight about background on the program and things like that and, and, and learning applications so you manage each relationship if you will or kind of those tranches of relationships almost like by quarter have met a corporate <laughs> right. guy it's like i managed my first quarters in a certain way second third forth right. when you get down to those that recruited in the in the time frame it's quick they're going to come on board in a couple of months that's a little bit easier and then the training and onboarding to get them ready the board takes a role they're going to be more active role uh, we have content materials and we pull again from some of the mentors some of our mentors are, are best practice thought leaders yeah. so we'll they pull probably wrote some them. stuff down that's exactly <laughs> right that's exactly right so we'll pull and and kind of uh, bring together that information uh, again, you have to learn. Each year rapidly changes. As you guys talk about technology, that and uh, each group of millennials, we're talking about are very different. Right. So the class of 2012 and 2014, for example, is significantly different mm-hmm. uh, in many ways in terms of how we get them engaged. And also, we're finding that as we've grown to this size of a scale of 100, for example managing the mental relationships and, and being supportive for them is something that's got to be more and more uh, focused around that. Right. Because it was easy with 50 or 60, you probably knew all of them very right. well. In this S- case, start you do Starting getting get to the point where you won't. That's exactly right.
2: Now, when they um – our junior senior or graduate student is this a one-year program and then they're done and they're finished or is this they can be a junior senior and a graduate student no great question
0: Um, we it's actually a one-year program academic one one year
2: it's one year one
0: and done yeah Um, except for those students that will be on campus the next year can apply to be a student director so those student directors are the leaders of the incoming class
3: Um, Mm -hmm. they'll
0: typically have what we call clusters which are the kind of their family so they'll have ten students that they're responsible for um, And those um, student directors, I mean, they're very much a huge leadership role in our program. Billy and I right now are the only full-time staff that run 250, 300 people on a daily basis. Um, And so those student directors are the hands and feet of the student aspect. They're our eyes and ears. They tell us what's going on, how the mentor relationships are going. Um, And not only that, I mean, they lovingly pour their lives into this program everybody does our students our mentors our facilitators that come and deliver the content everything is pro bono everything's been given to us um, as as a donation and so it's just it's a remarkable model that for some crazy reason has worked for us for 21 years now Mm -hmm. and we've been very blessed very thankful
1: can you imagine the caliber of people that you're working with they're willing to give their time uh, and uh, and talent like that and we missed it again I got to hear the <laughs> the the, the I think yeah. he's trying
3: to duck <laughs> short, it. No, I'm not. No, the, the short version. Uh, I was waiting for my training. To, <laughs> no, the, that's right. The short version, though, is I actually this is like a homecoming for me. I started out my career in higher education. Spent five years, and at that time, being a very naive baby boomer uh, overachiever, says so was not enough money, not enough movement, so I left <laughs> and went corporate for uh, opportunity, uh, funds, and development. And 30 years later, uh, I got back involved uh, with this program after I moved from Atlanta here. I'd been a, a corporate VP in energy trading, and we had a client called Enron, which some people may remember. Mm-hmm. And that <laughs> changed the game for my company <laughs> and others because they owed us a little yeah. bit of money. <laughs> so as that opportunity door closed, if you will, I came here went to work in professional services and be, was recruited by the former director, of my predecessor, Renee Hebert, to be um, a mentor and actually come out and speaking. So, so for me, it's like uh, coming back. I had a lot of opportunities. In corporate and various uh, roles, and so I can relate to this program because of the diversity of the students we have. I was that kind of student and that kind of uh, professional, and I served in marketing. It scares people; think I actually was an accounting supervisor <laughs> once, and I'm not an accountant, that is strategic scary. planner, <laughs> and other things. Hey, hey. So uh, I got uh, got a chance to kind of use those skills and come back in. And so when the uh, the board and I we had a conversation and the dean about the need we had in early 2012 to come out and kind of help close spring 2012 out. I came in and then uh, subsequently had more conversations and, and came on board and as Rachel mentioned, kind of condition for mm-hmm. employment was I will need a <laughs> talented this, person right. to be alongside me and so it's, and uh, got it's stuck a with me. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so. it, it's fun. It is a passion for both of us and we have a lot of fun working together and serving our
2: students. Too much and, fun. And then but you guys were recently recognized uh, by the mentor newsletter
0: we were um, we were selected to submit an article for in the connect in the connect magazine mentor magazine Um, we have been you know we have such a unique story that we felt compelled to really share it with a lot of people and so this past year we really put in a lot of time and effort into um, going into different conferences sharing plp with kind of the world Um, and we um, went to the mentoring institute conference last october we're going to the international mentoring institute conference next week two weeks weeks. in april in um in phoenix to share more of our story i'm speaking this weekend at baylor about women's mentoring um just to really show showcase what we have but to make sure people realize that this type of program can impact students um it can change people's lives it can change the lives of your mentors and really get have a great opportunity to engage the community that you're in um into your school system and that's a, a vital part for both sides
2: right and that's kind of a uh a stealth way of sharing what's happening in the university with these corporations around there by getting them involved with the actual university exactly
0: We do our best. (laughs)
1: Okay, so uh, before we wrap, what do you need more of? Uh,
0: People, money, time. (laughs) Yeah, right? Uh, No, like Billy said, we're always recruiting for more mentors, always. Um, And like I said, all of our students volunteer. This is a um, non-credit class, so it's extracurricular for them. Um, And so we always need resources to help make sure that they um, are getting what they need um, as far as supplies and mentoring and um, uh, networking-capable opportunities um we need people as far as mentoring goes and then just resources we love hearing from different people you know our mentors offer us opportunities like this to share our story um we have others that donate um technology pieces that help us with matching and help us with personality assessments so really kind of we're open to a bunch of different um options i don't know if you have anything you want to add
3: i think it's talent i think the key yeah. to us is often is we're to ask that question what do we want i think we want the talent and time first yeah. Uh, we certainly have uh you know financial needs because mm-hmm. the program grows a lot, but we want someone who has their heart in it they're yeah. committed and they're interested in giving to the students and then it's like anything else. look at our checkbooks that'll tell you kind of where our priorities right. are and <laughs> so that's that's something that's important without a doubt, but clearly it's uh that time and talent that we want most mm-hmm. and well, the, and the servant
2: leadership message
3: seems to be really resonating, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Yeah.
1: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. I want to make sure that our listeners know where to go so that they can learn more. So let's get some coordinates, phone number, email, Yes, website, if you like
0: that. Uh, would love to be a mentor, we would love to talk to you. You can email um, our office at plp at unt.edu. You can also check us out online at cob.unt.edu slash plp. Um, and we'd love to talk to you and, and get you connected with our students and our different opportunities.
1: All right. Well, thank you both for coming down to visit with us. Keep up the good work. Let's do this again. The next time we swing through town, yes, let's, uh, let's get caught up.
0: Awesome. Wonderful. Thank Thanks, you, guys. It All right. A great
1: day. For Lee Cantor and everyone here at Training Pros Dallas, this is Stone Payton. We will be back in a few. This has been a special Business Radio
0: X production brought to you by Training Pros, your source for local learning and development experts. Learn more at training-pros.com.